You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is Father James Scholl. We will continue now with uh, Machiavelli um, in the second part of the discussion about the prince. The book then, so there are 26 chapters. It's about 100, 105 pages or so. I want you to read uh, straight through the book and then follow along and, and, and pay attention to the different chapters that to understand that the book itself is carefully written. It is an argument and it has a thesis and we want to put our finger on it. The first half of the 26 chapters in Machiavelli's book ended with a discussion of the trustworthiness of mercenary soldiers. Basically, they are fine if you do not need them. Rely on your own arms. Just before this, however, Machiavelli talked of law and arms. We recalled Aquinas' definition of law, that it lacked the mention of coercion. Machiavelli is just the opposite. He sees no need for any need of a discussion at all. Law is is arms. We will not need to discuss about good laws or bad laws because he who has good arms basically makes the laws. Thus, if we want to talk of good law, we talk about good arms. All else is superfluous. In chapter 14, uh, it follows that, uh, follows. It wants to know what a prince should do about the military. I'll briefly, uh, take care of it. Do not forget the charm of Machiavelli and what, um, its effect on the soul is. He says, quote, Francesco Sforza became uh, because he was armed uh, from the beginning, from being a private man, became Duke of Milan. His sons, because they fled the hardship of arms, from being dukes, became private men. For, among the other reasons, uh, that being unarmed does you evil. It makes you contemptible, which is one of the infamies against which the prince should guard himself. In the quote. Between the lines, uh, this reads, even if I am contemptible, if I have arms, you won't mention it. Something of Machiavelli's understanding of human nature is here a manifest. Aristotle had remarked that the danger to a tyrant um, is if he appeared to be contemptible. And Machiavelli says again, but as for the exercise of his mind, the prince ought to read histories and in them uh, consider the actions of the uh, excellent men. He should see how they governed themselves in war and ex examine the causes of the victories and losses so that 
he is able to avoid uh, the latter and imitate the former. So who does Machiavelli tell us to read in this chapter? He tells us, of course, to read about the wars. In chapter 15, has the title out of Aristotle. Aristotle uh, taught uh, Machiavelli much. So read what he said and uh, do the opposite. And Machiavelli's uh, discussion of how to keep a tyrant in power is right out of Aristotle, only, again, with the exact opposite purpose. Those courses that begin political philosophy with Machiavelli, and, and presuppose nothing that went before that, uh, uh, understand nothing of the intellectual history of uh, political philosophy with Machiavelli's uh, which Machi uh, with Machiavelli, uh, so Machiavelli uh, uh, is sort of sitting there uh, without any background, and so the, the thoughts that appear in his book are said to have apparently no background. But this chapter wants to know about the praise and blame. Remember that was the discussion of the ethics, those things which are praised and blamed. What things are princes praised and blamed for? Ethics and politics deal with those uh, acts uh, to which we address praise and blame. We do it all the time, if you think about it. We praise people and blame people. So we talked about the readers of this book. To whom is it really dedicated? Lorenzo, as he says, he dedicates it to Lorenzo. Machiavelli is, along with Thucydides and Augustine, called a realist. It is often said that there is a liberating feeling with regard to Machiavelli. What does this feeling consist in? Why is Machiavelli often considered to be the founder of modern political philosophy? It would seem that the essential reason is that he tried to replace he tried to place the one who founded classical political philosophy. This is why we read chapter six uh, so carefully on the armed and the unarmed prophets. Uh, one of the famous questions in Machiavelli concerns his understanding of the word virtue. Again, uh, to, we have to know Aristotle to get the point. Indeed, uh, let him not worry about uh, incurring infamy of those vices without which it is difficult for him to save the state, he says. So, if you have to use a vice to save the state, well, don't worry about being embarrassed about it. Again, what is the successful prince? We have here uh, the current notion of a necessary vice. We might recall, of course, about the armed and the unarmed prophet in the early chapter, chapter six, I think. Machiavelli says that there are, that the armed prophets have always succeeded, and these are people like Moses and, uh, uh, and that the armed, unarmed prophets have always failed. And he doesn't really 
and they were careful about this, so that's why you have to read them carefully. So the armed prophets have always succeeded, and the unarmed prophets, he says, have always failed. Well, you think about this, and you ask the question, well, who are the unarmed prophets that this book is written about? Well, the book is written, in a certain sense, uh, as a, uh, an attack on Plato, which is what chapter 15 is basically about, that the uh, imaginary kingdoms that Plato had he says in, in the Republic, uh, are, are figments of imagination, he says. Well, what they really are is an accurate description of what the ultimate order of things might be. So the unarmed prophets always fail. Now the question is, why does Machiavelli, why does Machiavelli not himself become a prince or become a, uh, an armed prophet? What he does instead is he writes a book. Why does he write a book? And who, about what the book is? Well, you have to go back and think about, well, who are the major unarmed prophets in history? Well, the two major unarmed prophets are Christ and Socrates, neither of whom ever wrote a book. There are books written about them, but they didn't write a book. Machiavelli, therefore, writes a book. Why does he write a book? Because he understands that what he's writing this book for is not really Lorenzo, but it is for the young potential philosophers who are searching for an order. And therefore, he wants to influence their souls with the doctrine of it is all right to do evil in order to achieve your good. <clears throat> so he does this by writing the book. And that's why the book is charming in a, in a certain sense. It, it seems like it makes a lot of sense. But if you realize that what, what he's trying to do, what he sees that he must do, is that the really influential people were not the armed prophets, but the unarmed prophets, Socrates and Christ, who formed the civilization on which the Socratic principle it is never right to do wrong is based. So it is that principle that, that Machiavelli has to overcome. And so this is why when we come to these chapters here, it is so important to realize their background. So in the, the uh, uh, other chapters uh, under <coughs> underline all of these, uh, all the time, you see the word uh, eliminate or it's equivalent. In our time, we have, uh, we have not seen great things done except by those who have been thought misers and others uh, uh the others were eliminated so there's a very easy getting rid of people in in machiavelli chapter 17 is a famous chapter it is on cruelty and compassion machiavelli never hesitates to say the prince can be too cruel he had mentioned uh, Agathocles, uh, the famous tyrant in the ancient world. Machiavelli's only, only problem is that being too cruel might backfire. Cesare Borgia, who is his real hero, was believed cruel. Nonetheless, that cruelty of his restored 
to Romania. So he was successful. So cruelty isn't the issue. It's whether he's successful with it or not. Uh, this gets into the question of whether the good guys can have cops, armies, and courts, uh, whether there <coughs> is not a legitimate use of force. This is an extension of the just war tradition and our discussion from uh, Augustine. I doubt if Machiavelli is saying what is, in effect, uh, Aristotle or Aquinas, uh, what they held here, uh, that uh, there is a legitimate use of, of arms and power, which is not um, uh, based upon something uh, which is immoral to use. But the key question is whether the prince should be feared or loved. One needs to think a long time about this. The answer seems obvious. What is not so obvious is that even when the prince is loved, the love is contingent. He cannot really trust it, and there is really no love in Machiavelli. In the next chapter, Machiavelli wants to know if the prince should keep his faith, his trust. This is where the famous analogy of the lion and the fox comes in. Both are needed. What is the point? What is Machiavelli's view of human nature? Is it Christian? And he says, quote, and if men were all good, uh, this precept would not uh, be good, but because they are wicked, and they uh, would not observe faith for you. You too have to observe it for them. So you have to force them. The doctrine of original sin that we saw in Augustine uh, did not hold that men are by nature wicked, but that they are good by nature, as it says in Genesis, but have tendencies to evil. They are not determined they can exercise uh, some rule over themselves. This is the cl a classic sentence, then. Therefore, let the prince act so as to win and maintain his state. The means will always be judged honorable and praised by everyone if he wins. This is where the famous end justifying the means is in its pejorative sense, comes, comes from. A prince who wants to, quote, to maintain his status, his state, is often forced not to be good. This phrase also comes uh, up in Rousseau, uh, as we will see. In another sense, the only thing that can justify a means is an end. This is what Augustine is about, and what Machiavelli is not about, because for him, the end justifies the means. Chapter 20 talks about fortresses. It has been the custom of princes to order, uh, in order to hold their state more securely, to build fortresses so that they may be uh, the bridle and the bit of those who uh, deign to act against them and to have a secure refuge uh, uh, from sudden attack. 
of chapter 21, he says, nothing makes a prince so greatly esteemed as to uh, as do uh, good campaigns and giving rare examples of himself. The chapter is very Aristotelian, following the advice of Aristotle, uh, Aristotle gives to tyrants on how to stay in power. Aristotle says that there are two types of tyrant. One who imitates the good king and one uh, and one that, that directs uh, everything to himself. Both, however, have the same end in mind. Uh, the chapter uh, uh, talks about Machiavelli's understanding of prudence, the, the use of the mind uh, whereby you achieve the end that you want. So that if the end is good, the means then will uh, uh, the means then should be used good means to achieve that end. But if not, uh, the end is not good. Then the means to achieve it do not become good. Machiavelli has a classical notion of the difference between good and evil. His uniqueness is not in denying the difference between good and evil, or saying that neither category is valid but in saying that it is all right to use what is uh, recognized as evil in order to change, achieve our end. And notice the caution in chapter 23 about who can talk to the prince. This is a famous Machiavellian sentence, quote, for men will always turn out to be wicked for you if they are not made by some necessity to be good. For the, uh, for the reason that one concludes that uh, good counsels, uh, wherever they come from, must arise out of the prudence of the prince and uh, not uh, the prudence of the, pri of the prince from good counsel. What does this mean, of course? It means that the prince is not to be judged by any standard other than himself. Chapter 24 is on the condition of Italy in Machiavelli's time. You have heard me tell you that don't major in current events, for men are taken with present things much more than with past ones, Machiavelli said. Chapter 25 is the famous chapter on fortune or chance. Recall what Simon said about chance. Machiavelli wants to control it. Here we find the famous uh, tradition that fortune is a lady. Recall the lady has the right, uh, her will is free, to make up her own mind, however logically or illogically. That is, she cannot be coerced into marrying George, who is rich and handsome, rather than Harry, who is something of a fool. This discussion is an aspect of Augustine's discussion of free will and the relation uh, to chance and to uh, determinism. The final chapter is on Italy and its glory. All things have come together for your greatness. Uh, the a remainder you have uh, to do yourselves. 
God does not want you to do all things so as not to take away our free will or any part of that glory that belongs to us. The prince has the free will. He can call upon God even when needed. So what is the most important chapter in the book and why? I meant to mention in connection with uh, this question, uh, the good laws and uh, in the, uh, the question of good laws and good arms. And Machiavelli takes up another of Aristotle's great themes, that of friendship, uh, the epitome of Aristotle's ethics uh, on the human side. And Machiavelli said that we need, uh, we need and want good friends. And who are our good friends? He who has arms also has good friends. And think about that. So the most important chapter, however, in Machiavelli is chapter 15, I think, in which basically we find out that the real enemy that he is talking about, about the, the opponent of what men do, do do, uh, as opposed to what they ought to do, which he says can never happen, is to get rid of any criterion of judgment about what the prince does other than his own uh, will, his own power. And then Machiavelli, everything follows from that, is how to keep in power, and that therefore not to be bothered by what things are said to be moral or immoral, because they themselves are subject to the uh, will of the prince with regard to his staying in power. Uh, the end of the discussion. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.